0: Luke chapter 18. A lot of people have been asking me, you know, where are we going next? We finished Hebrews, 63 sermons worth, and uh, where are we going now? Where does the Lord have us? A lot of you have been partnering with myself and the staff in prayer for that. Uh, the Lord has spoken, uh, He has given us a place we're going to go, and I do need to say that I think I'm the most excited about it of any series that I've ever done in my life. I'm incredibly excited. But we won't be starting it until Reality Ventura starts. Uh, I think it's for uh, both congregations, and Reality Ventura won't be starting until the end of summer, so we're going to wait on that new series. I'm not even going to tell you what it is. Just ask the Holy Spirit, and He'll tell you. We're going to keep it on the DL for a little while, but I'm more excited than I've ever been about a series to teach this, and the Lord is speaking to me about it daily. Um, But in the meantime, there's some housekeeping stuff to do, some stuff that I think the Lord wants to deal with us on uh, with regards to where we're at as a church. So we're just going to camp out for a few weeks and let the Lord deal with us on a couple specific issues. And uh, this week he's going to be speaking to us and he has been speaking to us about prayer. Last week, I I, I sort of prepped you guys by suggesting that we would begin praying Hebrews 13 21 uh, for ourselves and then together as a congregation. Did you guys do that this week? How did that go? How many of you prayed that this week? Raise your hand. Okay, about 10% of you. So this is a perfect message for today. We're talking about today why don't we pray? Because the vast majority of us don't. Why don't we? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we, through the cross and the person of Jesus Christ, have access to the throne of grace. We thank you for how wonderful that is, and and yet we confess that the mystery of it is to some degree lost on us. That of all the things in the universe that are wondrous, that are an incredible privilege, this one is so greatly neglected. And we're not totally sure why that is. We have some ideas we're going to talk about today. But we simply ask, Lord, that you would do a fresh work in our hearts as individuals and as a congregation with regards to prayer. It's apparent as the church, not just this church, as a church, that we we don't pray enough. We, We confess that before you right now at the outset. And we realize that we ought to pray more and that the world would be different if we did. And we just ask that you'd speak to us. Lord, you're kind and you're gentle, so help me to be kind and gentle. I don't want to be like Moses who struck the rock when you merely told him to speak to the rock. And so temper me, Lord, thank you that I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody and that you've been kind to me. Holy Spirit, be kind to us this morning and yet teach us and lead us. We ask it together in Jesus' name, amen, amen. 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 You know, lately I've been doing almost every day sit-ups, uh, push-ups, and pull-ups, almost every single day I've been doing. It's been lasting for, you know, several weeks now, but I can tell you that it won't last. Almost every day, for weeks now, I've been doing it. I mean, can't you tell? I'm just cut up. But I, I could tell you that it's not gonna last. Before that, I was eating only organic, only whole foods, only alive things, nothing processed, nothing refined, no preservatives, no attitude, uh, additives, <laughs> no food with attitude. It didn't last. Did it for months. But it didn't last. Before that, I was running four miles every other day. It was awesome. It didn't last. Before that, knowing that I needed exercise, I was going to surf every single day no matter what. If it was good or bad, I was going to get in the water every day and, and exercise. I failed on the second day. <laughs> and surfing is fun, and I failed. There was a time when I started the the stretching regimen. You know, I'm getting old. I'm late 30s now. So I was like, dude, I I need to stretch. I can't touch my knees. (laughs) And so I started a stretching regimen and it was awesome. One day. (laughs) I did it for one day. I'm now as stiff as a board. And all of this illustrates and all of this begs the question, why do we have such a hard time doing things that we know are good for us? Whether it's exercise, whether it's stretching, whether it's eating right, why do we have such a hard time doing things that we know are good for us? Now, these things are referred to as disciplines. And people that maintain them are generally considered to be disciplined. If I were to keep up every day, push-ups, sit-ups, and pull-ups, I would be disciplined, but I won't. There's a reason that they're called disciplines, and the people that maintain such things are called disciplined. It's because they're hard to keep up. They're good, but they're just difficult to maintain. Now, There are certain things within Christian spirituality that have come to be known as the spiritual disciplines. They're good. They are so good. Not everybody agrees on what they all are, but they're things like Bible reading and Bible study, meditating on the Word of God, worship, service, submission, giving, fasting, and prayer and all of these seem to be difficult to keep up but maybe if empirical data would tell us anything if we could take a survey of the church in America maybe the most difficult spiritual discipline for us to maintain is prayer and all that I want to accomplish today is this. I just want us as individuals, as Christians and as a church, to start to think and ask, why? Why is it so hard to maintain a fervent prayer life? We realize, and it's clicheic, but it's absolutely true, that no one on his or her deathbed says, you know what, I prayed too much. You know, the deathbed is where you do all your thinking and you kind of survey your life and it flashes before your eyes. And I just haven't heard of a single account of somebody who's on their deathbed and just says, I wasted so much time praying. If only I had prayed less in this life. Nobody does that. There are very few of us here. There's a few of you and I know who you are, so you don't need to identify yourself. I'm thankful for you. But very few of us here would say, I pray enough. Very few of us. And in a way, a sermon like this is unfair because it's a no-brainer. You know what I mean? You tell the people, hey, you don't pray enough and they're like, I know, beat me, beat me. It's like a no-brainer. It's like instant guilt, instant response. And that's not what we're looking for today. It's really not. And I'm preaching to the preacher. Okay, I'm with you guys on this. But there's very few of us here, of any, that would say, yeah, you know what, I pray enough. I've, I've got that thing nailed. In fact, really, honestly, I think that the Bible would preclude anybody from saying that because 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says to pray without ceasing. And that pretty much ruins everything. <laughs> there's the standard. Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. It only makes it harder. It's, it feels like we're defeated before we even start. That just seems so hard. What's neat is that Jesus realized that this would be difficult for us. He really did. Jesus realized that prayer would be difficult for us. And, And so we have this verse, Luke chapter 18, verse one. It says, now Jesus was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray And not lose heart. Now, we're not gonna talk about the parable today. We might in the coming weeks, but we're not gonna today. I I just want us to understand why Jesus told it and to whom he told it to. He told it to to his disciples. And he gives them this teaching, which you can read later and we'll probably look at at another time. But the reason he does is to teach them that they need to pray at all times. And not lose heart. Not give up, as some translations say. It seems that Jesus knew that when it comes to prayer, we would have a proclivity to cheese out we would have the habit of giving up, of falling short, of not praying enough, of not persevering in prayer, of not being fervent in prayer, of not praying with importunity. It seems that he knew this was the case, and so he addressed it with his disciples. And I would say that Jesus is addressing it with our church today because he loves us. Now, Not only did Jesus realize that it would be difficult, but the disciples realized that it was difficult. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Look what's happening here. Jesus has been praying once again, as he always did, and one of the disciples comes up. No doubt, this, this was the heart of all the disciples. He, he comes as a representative because he uses the, the inclusive pronouns. And he says, Lord, teach us to pray. Listen to me. You cannot miss the profundity of that. This is the only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them. I mean, if I was one of the disciples... I would have been like, hey Jesus, can I surf. So the walking on water thing would be epic for me. <laughs> if you could teach me to do that walking on water thing, that would be all time. I would win world titles. <laughs> teach me that. Or because we've all lost somebody that we love, they had seen Jesus raise people from the dead. Jesus, teach us to do that. Or what about the time they had to pay their taxes and Jesus said, go catch a fish and open up its mouth and pull out the coin. How would that be under the current administration? Jesus, if you could just, you know, show us which fish have the money in the mouth, that would be great. I mean, there were so many things that I would have said, Jesus, teach me that. But those who walked with him, those that saw the tone and the tenor and personally experienced Visually and firsthand, the power of his life, the only thing they wanted to learn was to pray. Don't let that be lost on you. It's the only thing. That means that somehow they saw that everything else in Christ's life flowed from his prayer life. Somehow that was discernible. They always saw that he was going up on the mountain to pray that he would spend the night in prayer to the Father. And then they saw the powerful ministry. They knew that there would be no walking on water. There wouldn't be no raising from the dead if he hadn't been in prayer to the Father. And it so impacted them. They said the one thing that we need to come away with is how to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Pray. Jesus realized it would be difficult for us to maintain a fervent prayer life. The disciples knew it. They were Jews. They knew about prayer. That's why they asked Jesus, we need to get this prayer thing down. And the disciples proved that it would be difficult where the rubber met the road, in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane, a pivotal moment in the history of the world. Jesus agonizing in the face of the reality of taking on the sins of the world, says to his boys, pray with me. Pray. And instead of praying, they slept. Though they had wanted to learn how to pray, they proved how difficult it was, even in the most tumultuous of times, even in this pivotal historical moment, they failed to pray. Now, as a side note, their story in the garden is our story. Where we have failed, Christ has prevailed. They failed to pray, but Christ prevailed as he prayed. And that's our story. But the point that I want to tease out this morning is not that Christ prevailed, but that the disciples failed. Christ will always prevail. And yet we're called to travail in prayer. Jesus knew it would be difficult, so he addressed it. The disciples knew it would be difficult, so they inquired about it. And the disciples proved that it was difficult when they failed to do it. But the very fact that they even asked Jesus to teach them to pray exclusively, Reveals that they recognize number one, the power of prayer, and number two, the problem of prayer. And we need to be honest about these things the power of prayer and the problem of prayer. They saw the power of prayer. And if you read the scriptures, you cannot escape the power of prayer. And this is not my topic this morning. We'll talk about it another time, but I just want to remind us that every time the Bible speaks about prayer, it is in the context of changing things, of changing realities and lives and situations and whole nations and the fate thereof are changed through prayer. So they saw the power of prayer and simultaneously the problem of prayer. And what I want us to start to ask ourselves is this. If we realize the power of prayer, then why is there the problem of prayer? Why do we fail to do it? What is going on with me? What is happening with me? That I know full well the power of prayer, that it changes realities. And yet I fail to pray. If there really is this power of prayer because of Christ, not prayer itself, then why is there the problem of prayer? Prayer, why don't we do it? That's all I want to accomplish this morning is to get us to ask ourselves why we don't pray more. I mean, really, come on, listen. Listen for this one Sunday don't let it be a sermon let it be real let's really be challenged we're all in the same boat none of us pray enough we're all in the same boat Okay, I'm not preaching at you I'm with you standing under the word of God really why if there's such power is there such a problem I think there's lots of reasons that we could identify, but I tried to boil them down and make them simple. And here's what I came up with. These two pairs. There's a problem of prayer. There's a lack of prayer because we are distracted and we are not devoted. We are distracted. We are not devoted. And secondly, we are Selfish. We are not servants. I think we could sum it up in those things. Would you agree? I'm seeing some nods. This is cool. We'll be humble and confess to one another. We are distracted. We are not devoted. We are selfish. We are not servants. We're distracted and not devoted. When I think about distraction in my own life, I think about two things, worldliness and busyness. That's what I think about, worldliness and busyness. James one twenty-seven came to mind for me. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God and Father is this, to visit widows and orphans in their distress. We could do that around the world through prayer. But I want you to catch this. And to keep oneself unstained by the world. The NIV says it this way. Keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The New Living Translation says it this way. Refusing to let the world corrupt you. And that seems to be getting more and more difficult in culture. I mean, we've got a president now who says... To the whole world, he didn't tell me, but he said to the whole world, we are not a Christian nation. I don't know if he's wrong or right. I mean, historically, he's wrong. Currently, I don't know. getting harder and harder, I think, in culture today, to keep oneself unstained from the world. Because in American culture, we're moving further and further away from Christian ideals. You, You know that all of our recent presidents have said that they were Christians? Both Bushes were Methodists. Bill Clinton, I think Southern Baptist. Al Gore, the same. Obama, the same. And yet what we see from every one of these presidents and Vice President Al Gore, without exception, are policies and opinions that are anti-Christ, anti-Christian, and yet they claim to be Christians. Now, I'm not going to doubt their Christianity. I'm I'm not going to do that. I don't think that's my place to do that in a public forum. I will not do that. What I will say is that I think the church has really failed for a lot of decades. By the fact that they could claim to have church affiliations and to be Christians, but to hold some of the perspectives and to make some of the policies that are clearly anti-Christ and anti-Bible. And I think that's indicative of the church in America. And as the church in America goes, I still believe, so America goes. And what we have in America is a church that is prayerless. Ours is. I mean, we all nodded our heads last week and said, yeah, let's all pray that prayer together. And I asked who prayed it. And a very small percentage of us had. Now, I'm sure many of you had excuses and it wasn't the prayer for you and and that's fine. Let's be generous with the numbers and, and excuse even half of you. We're still up the creek without a paddle. We're still prayerless. I think our worldliness has caused us to be prayerless. We become stained by the world. We, okay, I'm not saying you. We, and then the church in America, we've become stained by the world, corrupted by the world, polluted by the world. And so we're distracted by the world. And and we're distracted to the point where we're, we're busy. What happens when you talk to somebody? I don't care who it is. I know a guy right now, he doesn't have a job. He doesn't have a job. Hey, dude, what are you doing? How you been? Busy. <laughs> really? I mean, you got no job, dude. Somehow he's still busy. Why? Because that's our culture. No matter who you ask, hey, wh- how you doing? What you Busy. <laughs> busy. How you been? Busy. Oh, so Busy. People say it to me all the time, and it, it bugs me. It's my own failure. People say to me all the time, if they're emailing me, or they're calling me, or they're Facebooking me, or they're here in the church meeting me, they'll always say, hey, I know you're a really busy guy, but, and I get sad with myself that as a pastor, I'm perceived as busy. I am busy, super busy. But I don't want to be defined and I don't want to be approached on the basis of my busyness because I think my busyness causes prayerlessness. I don't want to be a busy guy. I want to be a prayerful guy. I want to be the kind of pastor that people come up and go, hey, I know you pray a lot. So, nobody says it to me. That's my fault. That's not yours. (laughs) Your perception of me is, I know you're busy, but that's my fault. But I don't think I'm alone. I think that worldliness and busyness has precluded us from having a fervent prayer life. The last 10 weeks of my life have been crazy. You guys know that I'm in school working on my master's degree, and I had three classes this quarter, 10-week quarter, three classes. Commuting to Pasadena twice a week, all day for classes, just a busy time. <laughs> On top of that, I have um, a contract with a publishing company. I'm going to be publishing a book, and the manuscript was due the same week, this last week, as my finals were going to take place for that quarter. And then at the same time, we were supposed to be starting Reality Ventura, so in the same week, I was supposed to have the finals for, for my quarter, uh, the manuscript due to the publisher, and we were supposed to start Reality Ventura, and I've got a couple things to do with that. So I realized that this was going to be an incredibly busy and demanding time. By the way, I failed on two of those deadlines. The manuscript's not done, and the building's not done. But I got my finals done last week. Yeah, great. One out of three. That's an F in school. <laughs> Don't applaud an F. (laughs) But I went into those 10 weeks telling the intercessors in my life, telling the staff, telling my friends, telling myself, gonna need a lot of prayer, gonna need to pray a lot. I'm gonna be so busy. It's gonna be a lot of demands. On top of that, I got an eight-year-old and a five-year-old this June. There's gonna be a lot of demands. I'm gonna need a lot of prayer. And so I geared myself up and I went into those 10 weeks praying. Came out of those 10 weeks in a real prayer slump I'm confessing before you I've repented before God and I'm confessing before you when I needed to be most prayerful oh yeah and then all that stuff happened with the city and everything in the CUP when I needed to be most prayerful (laughs) I found myself being the least prayerful because of busyness I don't know if we can escape busyness in our culture. There's moments, there's things that we can do, there's strategies we can put in place, but it seems that we are on a trajectory of busyness. So what we need to do is learn to pray when we're busy. We somehow need to capture the mindset of Martin Luther, who said, I have so many things to do today that I must spend the first three hours in prayer. He had a totally different mindset. My mindset has been, I have so many things to do today, I can't possibly spend much time in prayer. Lord bless everything that I'm doing. Amen. <laughs> that doesn't cut it. That doesn't qualify as prayerful. That's prayerlessness. The staff and I meet every week, and we realized in the last few weeks that our fervency in prayer as a staff has ebbed a little bit. That that it's dipped at a time when we need to be the most fervent, the most prayerful. We somehow have lost some fervency as a staff. And you know what we've done? We've repented before each other. We've repented before God. And now every week when we're meeting, we're worshiping and asking God to revive our hearts. And I can't speak for all of them, but I'll I'll tell you my heart is being revived in the last few weeks as I'm confessing and repenting before God of prayerlessness and needing to pray more, he's doing a fresh work. And and what we realized was, as I had moved into a less fervent prayer life and my busyness and my worldliness, and the staff had, we started to look at the church and all our various prayer meetings, Sunday morning, Tuesday morning at 6 a.m., Wednesday evening for the youth, Thursday down at uh, Reality Ventura, all the other prayer meetings that are happening, we realized that the fervency of prayer in our church has ebbed a bit, has dipped a bit. And we're looking at the whole church. And, you know, I said earlier, as the church goes, so America goes. And I'll say now, as the leadership of the church goes, so the church goes. And we were sucking in prayer. We looked around the church and said, hey, we need, we need to pick up the pace a little bit. And, and, and so I just want us to start asking, why is it? Why is it we'll gather on Sunday mornings and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come here and we announce a prayer meeting and very few come? And lots of prayer meetings. I mean, why? I, I don't have all the answers. I, but I, we, we need to ask and we need to answer. And we need to respond. We can't just continue as the church in America, as Christians, as disciples of Christ who are to be disciplined. We cannot just continue on a trajectory of prayerlessness. The early church, they got it. Somehow they got it. Those disciples had failed in Gethsemane, but they eventually got it. In Acts 2.42... In verse 43 it says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And look what happened. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. They were devoted to certain spiritual disciplines, one of them being prayer. Devoted, it's a strong Greek word. It's in the tense, present active tense, that it means they were continually doing it, repeatedly, without ceasing. And the word means to persist in a thing, apply diligently to it, to be strong or firm towards anything, to endure or persevere in or with, to be constantly occupied or engaged. That perseverance language denotes difficulty. Jesus knew it, the disciples knew it, we've proved it. It's difficult to maintain fervency in prayer, whether it's a corporate prayer life or individual prayer life. But, but, but they did it. And if they could do it, we could do it. If the early church could do it, the church in America could do it. They were devoted, Oxford Dictionary Uh, defines it as to give all or a large part of one's time or resources to something. Continually devoting themselves to prayer. I I think the problem is we're distracted, not devoted. And then lastly, we are selfish and not servants. The one area where we excel in prayer maybe, many of us, is is praying for ourselves. (laughs) Right? Right? That's like the one area. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm totally kicking butt in prayer. I'm praying for myself a ton. Hey, that's great for you. But if you examine the Bible, it's not about praying for ourselves. You'll find very few instances of praying for ourselves. It's always Almost always praying for others and praying for God's purposes in our world. Praying for yourself is easy to a certain degree. I got in trouble, I made a mess, Lord. We do that all the time. I do that like 60 times a day. I don't think that that qualifies as being prayerful in a biblical sense. Those are foxhole prayers. I don't think that qualifies as being prayerful. And even then, we have a proclivity to give up. Why? Because we are in the culture of microwaves and high-speed internet. And we want it now. I am so disgusted if something takes more than a minute in my microwave. I'm like, are you kidding me? This thing is a piece of junk. It's like a whole ham frozen solid. How can this take more than a minute? I can't wait this long. And then we, we are so sick with high-speed internet. I, I don't know if you're like me. I click on something, and if it doesn't punch me in the face in half a second, I'm freaking out. I'm calling my IT staff. Something's wrong with my computer. Oh, there it is. Okay. We just want it. Now, now, now. Faster, 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 faster. And we'll pay through the nose for it. Oh, high-speed internet, $2 million a month? No worries. Give it to me quick. Hurry. That's a culture that we're in. And you see, prayer just doesn't really work on the idea of instant gratification. I'm pretty sure actually that God does not do that for some good reasons. But we are a culture of instant gratification, so we got a big old problem. We need to learn some things. And we often give up on prayer because we prayed and it didn't happen. So I'm gonna make it happen that's praying for ourselves but praying for others is is even a bigger problem it's the most biblical way to pray and and what i find is that if you're like me you lack empathy and you lack compassion and so you don't pray for others people give you prayer requests and you're like i'll pray for that i will do you did you once for a second That doesn't qualify as prayerful. That's what I do. You know what? Let me pray for you. Amen. That's not prayerful. That's foxhole prayer again. The Bible paints a picture of interceding, intervening, asking, seeking, knocking for others from a sense of empathy and compassion because of who Christ is but we are selfish, we're not servants. And so what do we do with something like this? Just the worst sermon ever. What do we do with something like this? (laughs) Well, I I think first, we, we just have to recognize the problem. I think that's part of what we're doing this morning. We just have to say, yeah, it's a problem. I think secondly, we need to repent. We actually need to repent of prayerlessness. And to repent doesn't mean to say, I'm sorry. It means to change the way you think about something and so the way you act. That's what repent means. I think we need to repent. I think we need to recommit to prayer. I think as a church, as a whole, we need to. As an individual, maybe you need to. And then we really actually have to do something. I'm begging that this isn't just another Sunday where you come and you hear the message and you go. And then you talk about it like, oh, I didn't really like that message. I forgot about this verse. He was so funny right then. (laughs) Actually do something. I start out by talking about disciplines, sit-ups, push-ups, blah, blah, blah. Here's the weird thing about disciplines. Tell me if you think this is true. The more you do them, the more you do them. The more you do them, the more you want to do them. Isn't that true about disciplines? Like, when I start doing sit-ups and stuff, I'm like, dude, I'm all about this. Sometimes I'll do, like, several sets in a day. I'm like, at the dinner table, all of a sudden I drop down. Boo, 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 I love sit-ups. <laughs> it's weird about the disciplines. You know, people who are just gym addicted. Just, ah, just gym addicted. The more you do a discipline the more you want to do it. It's totally the same with the spiritual disciplines. Okay, can I get a witness? Watch. The more you read the Bible, the more you want to read it. Right? You totally do. If you're in the habit of reading your Bible, you're like, oh, give me more. When, when you fall out of that habit, you don't even want to do it. You're like, oh. Oh, God, okay, I got to do devotions. What? Where? I don't even know what to read. I'll do it tomorrow. It's weird. The more you do a discipline, the more you want to do it. And when you don't do it, then you totally don't want to do it. Even stuff like, for me, surfing. Like, the more I surf, the more I want to surf. I get all stoked and I want to keep surfing. I miss a few weeks. I'm like, oh, it's cold. I don't really want to. How much more spiritual things? Where Satan is doing everything he can to keep us from praying. Satan. Everything he can to keep us from praying. So we have to actually do something. We have to come to a prayer meeting. We have to go home and pray. We, we need to carve out time in our schedule. Maybe it's your commute. You turn off the radio. And say between Ventura and Santa Barbara, I'm going to pray. But something has to be done. Tuesday morning, 6 a.m. We're going to pray for the prayer tour. That's how serious we're getting. We're going to pray for prayer. So we're going on the prayer tour in San Francisco, many of us leaving Thursday. Tuesday morning at 6 a.m., some of us are going to gather and pray for the prayer tour. Maybe that's what you do. Maybe you come to that. Uh, Maybe you pray for the Spanish ministry. We've been praying for years that God would do something with this church among the non-speaking population, non-English speaking population. Um, There's a, a Bible study now on Friday nights where... Several people uh, are coming and getting to know Jesus here at the church. Uh, There's a young lady in our church named Christina. She's awesome, and she's leading a VBS at the trailer park uh, over on this end of town, you know what I mean? If you've been there, it's totally impoverished and totally gnarly. Last week, she brought a couple kids to the youth group, and they gave their lives to Jesus at our youth group last week. Yeah, praise the Lord. That's something that we've been praying for for years. So maybe on your own, maybe you can't come to Sunday morning. Maybe on your own, you start praying for the Spanish ministry and for that population in our city. Somehow, we need to get on mission with Christ and start to pray, Lord, teach us to pray. So that's all I have to say. I'm sorry, but let's do something about it. Okay, so where you are, grab someone if you want to. Where you are, just start to pray, Lord, teach us to pray. Do something in my heart. Just do that right now.